Okay, Liz, here's some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, multiple systems, delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs, you cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems, and you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. Sarah, I thought of a downside to our team theme, Explode. What is it? Well, it's just dangerously close to implode. Oh, yeah. Well, there is a real risk of that, too. Anything can happen. As Diane Keaton told me in the elevator of my doctor's office. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Forgot that. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in LA, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner of 18 years, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In this episode, we'll discuss all things New Year's resolutions. Then we'll answer a mailroom question about how we deal with nudity, on TV that is. We've also got a Hollywood hack that's helped us keep our career on track many times, plus a celebrity sighting, but first an update... Yes. Oh, my gosh, Sarah. We are so excited to announce that we have a premiere date for The Fix. Everyone has been asking us. Thank you, everyone, for your interest. And we kept saying soon, soon, soon. Well, we've got it. We're premiering Monday, March 18th at 10 p.m. Eastern on ABC. And we are unbelievably excited about our spot. Yes. Um, We're taking over the Good Doctor's spot on Monday night at 10. We'll be following American Idol. It's so exciting because we're going to get all these great promotions on the Good Doctor and on The Bachelor, which is coming up right before we air. Also, it's going to be, it's like the best spot to really promote the show. And we're really, really grateful that we got such a good good time slot. Yes. I mean, if you had told us, oh, your show's going to go after American Idol, I mean, we would have just been like, ah, <laughs> which we pretty much were when yes, we got we the were. <laughs> So it's a huge vote of confidence in the show from the network, um, which we very much appreciate. Yeah. We hope to live up to our time slot. But of course, we'll be reminding everyone <laughs> weekly. <about> our, <laughs> maybe not weekly, but oh, very prob- often. Probably weekly. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, Sarah, it is time for From the Treadmill Desks Of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our psyches. And today it's New Year's resolutions. Mm -hmm. So we made resolutions on this podcast for 2018. So we'll review how we did with those, and then we will declare our 2019 resolutions. Yes. 
Okay, so 2018, my resolution was to weigh myself every day. And how did you do with that? Well, I did weigh myself almost every day. I mean, not maybe like over 300 days, probably. Um, like when I was out of town, sometimes I didn't, or I might have just forgotten a day here and there, but I never went probably more than like two days. That's pretty amazing. Um, and I recorded it, which was huge. So I have my little sticky pad that has like all my little tiny scratch of my the date and my weight for an entire year. Um, now, I ended up pretty much exactly where I started. I kept just going up and down like two pounds, which isn't what I was hoping for. I was hoping to lose weight, but at least I didn't gain this year, and I have been gaining the last few years. So I do think monitoring it and recording it kept me somewhat on track to at least not gain. That's, I think you did an incredible job, especially given how much stress we've had this year. True. Um, and as you know, my um, Cornell, eCornell professor mm-hmm. in my nutrition course yes. that I'm doing supported what you decided to do. He said that that is one of the best ways to keep your weight on track. Is to monitor it. Is to monitor okay. it every day. So inspired by you and supported by this eCornell mm-hmm. professor, um, I actually got a scale. I haven't had a scale oh, in, I mean, possibly decades. Um, um, Sarah, I noticed there's a scale in our post-kitchen. Yes. So where the editors are, they have a scale in the kitchen, which, you know, is probably a good idea at work. Maybe it we'll, is. Maybe that'll be our next level. I wonder if anyone actually uses it, though. I, I wonder. We should I'm ask. very curious. Um, so that was my 2018. I guess I'll call it a success because all I did was say that I was going to do that, and I did it. So in that sense, I kept the resolution. I think it's a huge success. Now, what about you? What was your resolution for 2018? My resolution was to only have sugar for 10 days of the year. Right. And I checked back in with you a few months ago, and you were really doing well. Yes. You had used maybe four or five sugar days, and you were feeling much better not eating sugar. Yes. And what happened since then? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Liz, uh, what happened is I just completely gave it up. I think... Right around the time that my mom died, uh, mm. I just decided there was only so much I could handle. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I bought, lost both my parents this year. Yes. And I made it through my dad dying pretty well. Um, and then when I was kind of doing the bedside vigil with my mother, yeah. it's hard to get through a bedside vigil without I, sugar, I got to yes, tell you. Yes. Um, so I was just like, screw this. I learned a lot from doing the sugar, no sugar thing. I learned that I'm a lot healthier. I mean, not not a little bit healthier, a lot healthier when I'm not eating sugar. My numbers were in every way so much better. You know, I really monitor my yes. inf- inflammation level and it went down dramatically. Like it wow. was really great when I wasn't eating sugar. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I let it go in October. Mm-hmm. So that's um, only like a couple of months. Yeah, it was it was for the Bulk of the year, it was good. Um, and then I gave it up. But, I, you know, I learned a lot. And moving forward into 2019, I feel like I'm not going to um, limit, like, sugar days like I did for the bulk of 2018. I, said, I decided I'm going to treat it like alcohol, which mm. is, like, I don't have it very often. But when I have it, I'm going to enjoy it and not overindulge. Well, I will say, as your writing partner who observes you all the time— 
I didn't even realize you'd incorporated it back into your diet because you still weren't eating very much. So it's not like you were suddenly munching on M&Ms every day. Right. Like, yeah, I guess if I think about it, I noticed you weren't asking, does this sugar, I mean, you weren't asking, does this dressing have sugar in it or something like that? Like you right. were being really vigilant before. Now you're like, well, if there's a little bit of sugar on these, you know, walnuts, it's not the end of the world. So right. I think even once you gave it up, you still were eating much, much less. Yes, I agree with that. And <laughs> I said at one point, I picked the wrong year to not eat sugar. Mm. And you said, no, you picked the right year mm. because otherwise I would have really gone off the rails. And I thought that was a great insight. And it definitely helped me feel better. <laughs> Good. Good. No, that's true. Had you not been even thinking about it, it would have been like... You would have just gone to town. Sugar fest, crazy I town. Mean, as anyone would understand, but ultimately doesn't help you get through a tough time. It only makes that tough time that much worse, yeah. which is so hard to remember. Right. Okay. Well, that's how we did for 2018. Um, 2019. Yes. What are our goals? Okay. I have a controversial, I think it's controversial because I feel like anything about weight is very controversial. Like it's all, we're supposed to talk about being healthy yes, and not about weight, but I'm actually going to talk about weight. Okay. I'm actually going to put it out there that I want to get to my current goal weight in 2019. I say current because it could change once I get there. Um, if I get there, I will get there. So, okay. Right now I'm going to announce my weight. Okay. This is very difficult. I know. You're it's, super I, My brave. heart is pounding. Okay. As of this morning, I weighed 160.0, exactly 160. And by the end of the year, I want to get to 135, which I hope would take me to a size 6 because my word of the year is 6 because I want to get my A1C to a 6.0 and I want to get into a size 6. And I think if I'm 135, I'll be just – I'll be <laughs> – I'll be kind of squeezing into a six um, or maybe I'll be I don't even sure. Um, so the thing is, like, I have always been thin my whole life, as you know, yes. like that has never been an issue for me. And now it is. And I just hate it. You know, I do not feel like myself socially. I don't feel as comfortable um, I hate shopping, whereas I used to like to shop. I just, I never feel, no matter what I do to myself, I just don't feel like I look the way I should look. So I'm like, it's the only thing in my life that I feel like I'm not on top of. Um, and truly, it does also correlate with my diabetes. The thinner I am, the better my numbers. I mean, that's very true for a type right. 1 diabetic yeah. or any diabetic probably. Um, so I'm just going to put it out there. I actually am going to lose 25 pounds. Um, I'm going to kick it off with dry January. So no alcohol in January because oh. I think that'll just, it's not only the calories of wine, which is what I drink, but also like, you know, the food choices that go along with it. So I yeah. think not doing that on the weekend will help me because a lot of times I'm good during the week and then the weekend I'm just like, ah, eat whatever I want. So, and I have to think, I have to do other things because I know it's not just going to magically melt off, but I'm going to start with that. I'll be, I'm sure, talking about it incessantly, um, unless I don't do well and then I'll never speak of it again. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're going to do great. I'm definitely in the sort of group of people 
who talk about health. And I think having an A1C of six, obviously that's very health-related for you. And I think that's a wonderful, amazing goal. I also am someone who gets really triggered with, I'm going to be this number, even though I have a general number for myself Uh also. Uh But for me, it makes me think of my mom, who was just like, I want to be the size I was when I was in high school. And I just think at a certain point, like, that's unrealistic and we should just, like, you know— be whatever weight it is where but we feel comfortable. Let me just add, 135 for me is much above where I would think of myself. Right. So You're I'm just actually, very tall, though. You're like 5'8". No, but I was normally like 120. So I've already given myself an extra 15 <laughs> pounds. I'm not trying to get back to high school senior <laughs> weight. And I need the number because, like, I just do. Yeah. I mean, that is just where I'm at. And it's like if I don't put a number to it, it just does. I don't think it's going to crystallize in my uh-huh. mind. So, and this is for vanity. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Yes, I want my A1C to be six, but also I just really want to be able to buy clothes and like the way they look. Right. So that's it. I put it out there. I mean, I'm sure I'm going to get hate mail for even like saying that I care about the number, but I do. Well, I don't think you'll get hate mail. People telling me that I shouldn't care about the number, but I just, I care. Um, You do you. For me, this is me. (laughs) But as you know, I'm not someone who's obsessed with weight. Like, I don't talk, I I really don't. It's just I've realized it's bothering me. Right. And why have it bother me when, like, my life is so great and here's just this, this thing that's bothering me when it really doesn't need to. Right. And by the way, you can guess when my sister hears this, she is going to go into like hyperdrive. Yes, low carb this. Like, uh, yeah, uh, she's going to go into hyperdrive. <laughs> I know. Um, so, oh, Gretch, we'll talk. All right. So that's me. I'll re- I'll report back in maybe like three months and see if I'm on track. Okay. And okay, your resolution is big. Your resolution is like almost a philosophy. Right. Your resolution is very mine specific. Is very, yes, mine is extremely uh, concrete. Yeah. Tell us yours. Okay. Mine is progress, not perfection. Mm. Um, because I have sort of like a manifesto for 2019 involving all kinds of different things that I want to do mm-hmm. um, towards kind of living my values and being less hard on the world in terms mm. of using less stuff, buying less stuff. Wearing out the things I have instead of just getting more stuff. Eating in a way that's more earth-friendly. Obviously, I want to get back on track after my, you know, devolution after my parents died. I want to get back on track with my health. I have just like a thousand things going on. I want to remodel my house. Like, it's all very big. Yes. So my way of man. Oh, and also we're going to explode in our career. Yeah. So, you know. There's that. Uh, <laughs> so I just want to, as a reminder, to be kind to myself through all of these things to have my resolution be progress, not perfection. I don't have to do everything. I don't have to do it perfectly. 
I will not be judging you. <laughs> Thank you. But you know what? It reminds me of, um, we always say, uh, my sister told me this for the first time. This is the first time I heard it was from her, is um, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Yes. And I mean, I think progress, not perfection, very much is in line with that. It's like, just because you can't stop buying everything doesn't mean you shouldn't stop buying some things. And right. just because you may eat meat sometimes, which may not be as good for the environment as not eating meat, that doesn't mean you shouldn't limit it at all. Right. Exactly. And I'm a Virgo, so I have a tendency to be, like, uptight and perfectionistic. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to try to just release that a little bit and move forward. So in three months, like, we'll check in with you and it will say... well. One thing I just, again, as your writing partner, I think that not buying stuff so much is good for you because as we've established, you're an overbuyer. Yes. So even just being aware of what you're buying will curb some of that, you know, and you won't get like the dog stroller that you don't need. Right. Yes. I'm an overbuyer and an overpreparer. Sometimes that's good. Yes. But I'm going to chill out. Yeah. I'm excited to watch this. And you're good Earth habits will certainly also influence me, somewhat at least, which is also good. Absolutely. People, I mean, your health thing will make my health thing easier. Like, well, it'll be very symbiotic. symbiotic. Um, So in three months, we will check in. When is that? January, February, March. We'll see how we're, how we've done. End of March, I guess. We'll give ourselves three solid months. Perfect. And for our listeners, please let us know what are your New Year's resolutions for 2019. We want to hear all about them. So email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. And Liz, speaking of weight, coming up we will answer a question about how we handle actors' weight fluctuations during production. But first, a word from our sponsor. I don't know about you, but we're always looking for ways to get our kids involved and give back in our local community. That's why we're excited to tell you about Student Visionaries of the Year, a campaign by the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, which is the largest nonprofit organization dedicated to creating a world without blood cancers. Student Visionaries of the Year is a seven-week philanthropic leadership development program for high school students. Participants form strong teams and fundraise in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. I would love for Violet to do this program when she's in high school. This program is transformative. It not only helps students develop valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship, not to mention it looks great on college applications, but most importantly, it's also a chance for them to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on blood cancer patients and their families. You can learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or even nominate a student at lls.org slash students. That's lls.org slash students. Okay, Sarah, it is time for the segment we call The Mail Room, in which we answer a listener question about the entertainment business. And if anyone out there has questions, we are here. We love hearing them. We love answering them. So do send us all your entertainment business-related questions. You can also ask um, about the music business, because Chuck has a lot of information about the music business. So Sarah and I know nothing about it, but Chuck knows everything about it. (laughs) Chuck is here for you. Yes. (laughs) So send us your mailroom questions. You can either post in our Facebook group 
Just search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook and click to join, or send us an email or voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. And today's question comes from Angie, um, who's in our Facebook group. She wrote, showrunner question, do you tell the actors when they will have to be naked, like a sex scene or a shirt-off workout in advance? Sutton Foster told a story that she was begging Darren Starr to tell her if she was going to have a sex scene. He didn't want to release any more of the storyline, but finally, when it was three episodes away from filming, he told her. Also, how do you handle noticeable fluctuations in weight that impact production? For example, it creates an issue in continuity or huge time and expense as wardrobe has to be taken in or found in a larger size. Do you call the agent, talk to the performer directly? (laughs) Well, it's funny because, you know, we're doing an ABC show right now. There is no nudity on ABC. No. So it's not an issue we have to deal with. Yes. Um, we have a lot of um, BS&P broadcast standards. Um, and, and practices. And practices, yes. And <laughs> notes saying, like, no side boob, no under boob, no under butt. Yes. It's very um, strict. Now, I will say men can be seen without their shirts. Yes. And we don't need to discuss the feminist implications of this. But what I will say is we do have men on the show occasionally not wearing shirts for yes. whatever reason. And um, usually I think actors just try to stay ready for that. Like they, you know, it's something you want to be kind of ready for year round because you don't want that sprung on you. But we do give warning if there's going to be something, you know, where it's particularly important that they not have a shirt. Yeah. And there is often, often you don't know in advance. I mean, right. you know, something will come up as you're writing. You're yes. like, oh, this would be better. In a pool. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, which is why the actors just need to be ready. And if they're not ready, you change it. You yes. know, we've had situations where we've written something in a yes. pool and then been like, okay, it's not in the pool now. It's on the side of the pool. Yes. Or it's, you know. Things can almost always change. Yeah. Even if, even for a sex scene, um, you know, you can find a way around it. Yeah. And as for the weight fluctuations, I mean, our policy is basically do nothing. I mean, people's weight goes up and down as it does, and we don't get involved. Yeah, that's our policy. It's yeah. not an across-the-board policy, no. that's for sure. And what's interesting is usually the issue um, is more that an actor loses too much weight. Yeah. Because being on TV, people, I think, feel really self-conscious. They're worried the camera adds weight. And and they tend more often than not to lose weight as opposed to gain weight. Yes. And we actually know someone who called an actor and said if that actor didn't gain five pounds, they were going to be written out of the show because the weight had gotten so dangerously low. And that was a guy. And that was a guy. Yeah. Now, that's never happened to us, thank goodness. But something funny happened, Sarah, on The Shield yes. with weight. Do you yeah. remember? I do remember. Um Forrest Whitaker was on The Shield season, what was it, six? I believe, yes, five or six. Um, And and he was incredible, of course. Um, But he was coming off of a movie where he had had to be heavier. So he started the season heavier for him. Yeah. And over the course of the season, he wanted to get back to his usual weight. 
And and the season, it was one of those seasons that went really fast. It was, you know, 10 or 12 episodes, but it was only over like three weeks. In showtime, it was only three weeks. Yeah. So his character lost 50 pounds <laughs> in three weeks on the show. In real life, he lost months. it. It was months, and we didn't kind of even notice it happening. But yeah. then when you watch the season— his size changed dramatically and over so we, the episodes. Yeah, and we did try to kind of make it, once we realized what yeah. was happening, like a character thing that he was being sort yes. of eaten alive yes. by the case yes, um, and not eating actual food for the three weeks. Um, but, it, I mean, it really was, if you go back and look at it, Forrest in his first episode versus Forrest in his yeah. last episode yes. are like two different people. Yes. Yeah, it's funny. But man, he was so good you didn't even notice. No. I'm sure oh. We didn't even, no one ever commented to me about it. No, he's just incredible. Um, now, Sarah, one thing we do have to deal with in terms of weight is pregnancies. Yes. And that's come up many times mm-hmm. uh, in our career. And that's a discussion with um, the head of wardrobe you know, to say they're really the person that needs to know because that's who it, in fact, impacts the most. Right. And in general, we don't sort of write a pregnancy into the story. We just carry stuff around or Mm -hmm. have the actor carry stuff around and wear clothing that hides the midsection, Mm -hmm. you know, scarves and um, black. Big purses. (laughs) Yes. Um, And you shoot, you know, waist up. Yeah. I mean, it just is what it is. And if people sort of think, oh, that person looks different, you know, you suspend your disbelief. Yeah. Uh, People get pregnant. It happens. And it's good. Yes. Um, So that's a great question because um, it is something that um, comes up. It sure does. The whole weight and nudity is definitely something that many business, often we say, well, you probably deal with the same thing as an insurance salesperson or a bank teller. But I think dealing with nudity and weight fluctuation is very specific to our business. Yes, it is. And I will say, I do think there is still a double standard in terms of nudity with women. And also, we can have nudity if it's in a situation where there's violence against women, but we can't if it's a situation where women are being empowered and sexual. Yes. That's a problem industry-wide yes, it that is. we need to address. Yes, it is. Agreed. Well, on that note, now it's time for our Hollywood hack from our good friend Bob Fisher. Bob co-wrote The Wedding Crashers and We're the Millers, as well as the recent hit Overboard. And we've known him for I 100 years. Yes. Bob is one of the first sort of really successful people we met in the TV writing business. We met him um, at a time when we were trying to meet showrunners, and he was a showrunner. And um, he helped us immensely just with a morale boost. I mean, he said, you guys will make it. Don't worry. He really encouraged us. And that encouragement was something we desperately needed at that time. And for everyone who hears us talk about our friend Kareen, um, he's also Kareen's husband. <laughs> because you introduced them. Because I introduced them. Yes. yes. You're yes. a matchmaker. Yes. So Bob's hack. Bob's hack is, and he said this years ago, and it took us years to implement it. Mm-hmm. So for our listeners, implement it now. Yes. Don't make our mistake. Yes. So Bob said, they don't remember late. They remember bad. That's right. It's like if you have to turn in something, whatever it is for us, it's a script, but, you know, it could be a report or some sort of presentation. It's much better 
to announce that you need more time and not to turn it in than to turn something in sort of with the caveat of, well, this isn't where it really should be. I'm still working on it. It's going to get better and have it not be your best work because that first impression, that's what people remember. Yes. And they don't remember late. Like, as it turns out, Unless it's, you know, some hard and fast deadline. That's going to cost someone money. Right. (laughs) Their money or your job. Yeah. For the most part, people don't remember late because when they get it, if it's in great shape, they're just relieved. Yes. And we have learned that, like, we know when something's ready to be turned in. And Mm -hmm. if we don't feel it's ready, then it's not. And turning in something that's not ready could end up costing everybody more time because then someone's commenting on something that isn't where it should be. And so they may be searching for ways to make it better, which aren't necessarily the right ways to make it better, but could send us down a bad road, which could then cost more time for everyone. So it's a real spiraling thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you just get it in shape turn it in, everybody's happy. Yeah, two weeks later, they're not like, oh, but they turned that in on Wednesday instead of Monday. So, you know, screw them. No, they're like, oh, I'm so happy we have a good script. Yeah. Uh, But it did. We're such obligers and rule followers. It was hard for us to do that. And you're much better at it than I am. You definitely say to me, this isn't ready. Let's just take more time. It's hard for me, but I've gotten better at embracing it. Am I more of a rebel than you, Liz? Is it possible? In this area. In this area, you definitely are. (laughs) That's very exciting. Don't you have a story, Chuck, about how you regret turning something in on time that wasn't ready? Yes, I was mixing Radner and Lee, who is Josh Radner has a group, a singing group with Ben Lee, um, this independent artist. And they're great. They're really good singers. And I mixed the single for them and it came out really well. And they wanted me to do the rest of the album. And they gave me several songs and a a deadline that was workable. But the deadline got moved up, Mm. and they had to have it by this time, and I rushed doing it. And um, I didn't want to turn it in, but they really needed it, and it didn't come out as good as I wanted, and I should have stood my ground Mm. because I turned in something that wasn't up to my level of satisfaction, and they didn't really like it, and I didn't (laughs) get the the rest of the album. They mixed it somewhere else. So I lost the gig. There you go. They don't remember late. They remember bad. It's like you, if you can't turn in something good, just don't turn anything in. Exactly. Uh, So a lesson for us all. It's a painful lesson to learn. It is. Yes, it is. We've learned it. Yes, we have. (laughs) So that's the hack. They don't remember late. They remember bad. Next up, we had not just a celebrity sighting, but a celebrity encounter. But first, this break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. 
Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, Sarah, it is time for this week's celebrity sighting, Leah Thompson. Yes. Leah Thompson, as many of our listeners will remember, starred (laughs) in the iconic 80s movie Back to the Future with Michael J. Fox. She also starred in Some Kind of Wonderful, which I believe you and I saw together in high school. I believe we did. I think Missy was with us. And, of course, she also played Caroline in Caroline in the City, which was a huge sitcom in the 90s. And more recently, Leah starred in Switched at Birth on Freeform. Yes, and she is also a director, we should say. She's been doing a lot of directing. We were talking to her because she's been directing The Goldbergs, which is our friend Adam Goldberg's show. Yes, and her daughter, Zoe Deutsch, is a very successful actress who we've tried to hire. Yes, and failed, but we Um, tried. But, Sarah, you'll notice I'm calling her Leah, not just Leah Thompson, because it's not like we even just spotted her. We had a whole conversation with her at a holiday party. Yes, and it was so fun because she'd heard about the fix. Yes, and she'd heard it was good, supposedly. Of course, I think she heard that from people who work on the show. Probably, but I'll take it. <laughs> yes, so that too. was a fun sighting. It really was. And that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and please subscribe if you haven't already. That could be your New Year's resolution. (laughs) Subscribe to Happier in Hollywood. Thanks to our producer, the amazing Chuck Reed, and everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram, at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. Thank you to our assistant, Mary Merkins. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram, at Liz Craft, and Sarah is at SFA. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join the conversation. Until next week, I'm Sarah Fain. And I'm Liz Kraft. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Oh my gosh, Liz, that just reminded me of um, that super cute letter we got from someone who listens to the podcast with their child. Do you remember this? And they they wrote in saying, "My, I think it was a boy. My my son just said, why are they only Liz Craft and Sarah Fain until next week? Oh, that's funny. That's a good point. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm thinking, gosh, I hope we didn't have bad language in that episode. <laughs>